Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Let's do this. I'm ready to go and now I'm spent. Well, it was a good run while we had him. That's all the energy I had. We're going to put it all at the beginning. Yeah. yeah we're going to put Glenn back on his cot. Yes. <laughs> Maybe by the second cool rag question. Head. Yeah, he'll, yeah. <laughs> he'll have recharged his very, very literal batteries. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. It's a strong opening, my friend. Thank you, Strong sir. opening. Thank you. Yes. Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm also ready to tap out. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's bail. Yep. Yeah. We have a towel, and it's being thrown into the ring. Yes. Well, folks, the show won this week. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we beat the show. This week, the show beat us. I think we've had a pretty good run. Yeah. Um, try yeah. again next week. Yeah. Just We had some questions set out to answer, but uh, you people, you just don't get anything. Quick yes. preview. Yes. No. Sometimes. Yes. Wow. Short answer, yes than if. Long answer, no with a but. <laughs> On that basis, I declare an emergency. <laughs> he got a second win, folks. <laughs> that almost uh, ended sounding like a yawn. Yeah, I was going to say. A little bit of a... Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. We got science. Science. Uh, science is happening. The science beat. Okay. The science okay. report with Glenn Fitzgerald. People <laughs> tune into this podcast because they want the latest of what's happening with science. I don't think any part of that is true. <laughs> that would be that would be the bad use of the iTunes search function. Okay, so what happens is the the thing about the science on this news is we don't understand all of it. Mm. So the fun part is you, very everyman science reporting. Yeah, you get to fill in the gaps. A bunch of nerds know. did some stuff. They seemed excited. Okay, here's what happens. They're uh they got a woolly mammoth yeah. DNAs. Yeah. Here's what they said. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna cook one up in a test tube. Ooh. And so make it's a big one. test tube. Okay. Now here's what that's what I said. Okay. Now here's the problem with this. Yeah. Now I'm all for DNA. Yeah, of it's, course, absolutely. You know, uh, so some of your best friends are made of DNA. That's right. You know, I, you know, you come from a long line of DNA yourself. That's right. Okay. <sighs> so I'm not against DNA. I'm not, and that, you know, I, I like an elephant. Okay. And if you sure. say, here's one with a bunch of fur on it, you know what? Sure. I'm there. I'm interested. Sure. You can relate to it. that. I can relate to that. Sure. Uh, I'm covered in a, a downy layer of fur myself. <laughs> Sure, you and this mammoth will connect. As as we'll, exactly. woolly missionary, yeah, exactly. As as I've said many times before, I take off my shirt. You're basically looking at Chewbacca situation. Now, here's what we're here's what we're working with. These scientists said we could cook us up a woolly mammoth. Okay, now I'm going to tell you about a documentary I saw called Jurassic Park. Oh, that 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 documentary was based on a book. Yeah. Exactly right. Now, here's what happened is they, they did the same thing. They cooked up right. a bunch of di- dinosaurs, whatever. That dude from Law and Order SVU just cooked them up. Exactly right. And, you know, at first, it weren't great. Yeah. Everybody's happy. Sure. Who wouldn't be? And then suddenly- Jeff Goldblum, that's who. Ah, uh, yes. Things started going wrong, and I said to the people in the theater, I said, you know, I have a feeling this is not going to go well. Mm. <laughs> I have you a, referred to them as your colleagues. That's right. You're peer reviewing this. Yeah, I say, hey guys, I got a bad I, feeling. I got a bad feeling about sure, this. Sure, sure, absolutely. You know, everybody else was like, no, I, I think it's just going to be a, a documentary about how this is going great. It's I'm great. Like, it's fantastic. Right. Like I, you know what? I don't think so. Well, guess what happened? 
Dinosaurs got loose. I ate everybody. Mm. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I tried. You, you, Even you, Wayne Knight. That's uh, you want to be especially Wayne Knight. <laughs> you, you. Well, that's awful. <laughs> Newman. Okay, here's what I'm saying: is <laughs> they ate Newman. <laughs> they ate Newman. This is what I'm he's gone now. He's a, he's 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 in dinosaur anything stool else at this point. But here's what I'm saying: this uh, you don't want to be one of those guys like I told you so. Sure, absolutely. But it's like you know I I did kind of tell you so. Yeah, okay. sure. But here's what happened: they cooked up some more dinosaurs after that. Okay. And because you you know, it's but this time it went great though, right? Sure, it's sound plan. Well, everyone thought it was going to go great, and I said, you know what, guys, I got that feeling again. Mm. <laughs> this these dinosaurs is going to get loose, okay, and eat everybody, <laughs> okay. Well, would you believe they got loose and they ate everybody? <laughs> Son wow. of a gun. Okay, now that happened twice. Okay. Now here's the part you're not going to believe. This happened two more times after that. Wow, wow, not fast learners, these Jurassic people. Okay. So now, here we are, fifth time around. Let's make us a woolly mammoth. How's it going to end? I'm going to tell you how it's going to end. They're going to go crazy and eat everybody. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's science news. Okay. Sure. So we're just putting that out but there. Ostensibly, the woolly mammoth wouldn't be as fast as the velociraptor, though, right? Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know that we know that for sure. We don't know that for sure. We weren't there. That's and, what I'm saying. Uh, We've yeah. never seen one. Could yeah. be like a squirrel. It's, this is trial and error, absolutely. Well, Glenn, you know you're you're giving us the bad news part of this, which I appreciate because I hate happiness. Sure, but let me let me float something out here for a second, right? All right, and you just if it doesn't work for you, send it right back. Okay, deep fried woolly man of steaks. Now you've my got my attention. Okay, I'm feeling really good about this. You have before. You have beheld an elephant and yeah. said, "Bet that would be good in some ranch dressing." Definitely. Okay. That's my main thought about most animals. Mine too. And okay. several people. Sure. <laughs> it's like a mammoth and dry dressing, just more of it. Whoa. Plus a crispy woolly texture. Yeah. You're like saying the, it kind of comes pre-battered. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like a, like a potato skins only with fur. Yes. Sure. It's and, just like that. And the elephant. Yes. Equally yes. zesty. Yes. You know what? Suddenly, fellas, I'm feeling pretty good about you. Sure, nice one mammoth could run a whole TGI Fridays for months. Yeah, yeah. Mammoth skins. That's right. Nice medium rare mammoth steak. You know what? World hunger solved. Done. You're welcome. Done. You're welcome. Thanks, yeah. science. Yeah. Both that there will be another animal to provide meat and that the lo- the number of people needing to eat will be kept down by the number of people tramped and eaten by these high-speed woolly mammoths. Win-win. Yes. yes. That's what that's, you call that. That's covering it from a supply and demand end. Yeah, that's, that's really right. good. That's, that's right. really good. So, okay, maybe that one's okay. All right. All right. Here's right, another. We talked into it. Here's another science update. Attention all the ships at sea and all the people in the world. Okay. Go on. Here's what we're dealing with. Uh, we got new planets. Really? I thought, okay. like, we we had figured out all the planets. Are they diggable? Well, uh, they, they they are, and, and they're cool like that. Oh, that's okay. good. But here's what I'm saying, uh, all you 90s music fans yes, out there. thank you. <laughs> here's the thing is... Uh, so much Googling. <laughs> People won't even know what to Google to get that one. It's like, yeah. oh, it's, now that one's just gone. That one's passed me by. Diggable planets. It's it's worth the journey, though. It's yeah. worth the journey. Yeah, yeah. Is it? It is. It, it really is. <laughs> no, it was it a really track, man. That's right. So here's what happens is we got 
we, we got new planets. Yes. I thought like this is we only got so many and mm. then that's it. Yeah. Then they tried to downgrade Pluto. Well, you know, I came out against that. Yeah. You know, Strongly. You, you you can't you can't you know, don't step I mean. to Pluto, y'all. Okay. So we're dealing with a lot just from that. Okay. But then they discovered a whole new bunch of new planets. Yeah. And there's all kinds of things going on there. We don't know what sort of creatures and beings are crawling around on these planets. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, and here's the most important thing. We have no idea what their intentions are. There you know you what I mean? Do they come in peace? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of documentaries <laughs> where that did not end well. Sure. They're blowing up the White House. Yep. They're <laughs> invading. They're flying around the spaceship, shooting off laser beams. And, you know, it's like they they just don't care about uh, American values. Yeah. So we, we're dealing with that. Yeah. Do you think that sending some fresh... But deep fried woolly mammoth steaks as like a peace offering. Good night. Yeah. Do you think that would help to kind of, you know, start a relationship of friendship with our new alien over? We could craft like we could get somebody to craft like a a uh you know, like a woolly mammoth jacket. Yeah, dude. I'd wear a woolly coat. Okay. Yeah, send the woolly coat up. It yeah. might be cold, so yeah. that would be It'd be cold out there in space. But now how about this now? You know how you have we have a planet that's full of apes. Yes. Right? You've seen that document. I have, yes. It's called Planet of the Apes. It was Earth all along. Well, okay. But here's what happens is you got Monkey Planet. Yes. Okay. What if their planet (laughs) is- Which is is the knockoff version of Planet of the Apes that plays on the sci-fi channel. It's the the Hydrox. Monkey (laughs) World. (laughs) So we got Monkey Planet. Yeah. What if one of these planets- is the elephant planet? Oh, we gosh. send them a fried elephant. Yeah, that'd be wow. pretty rough. Boom, that's done. War. You know what I mean? That's, that's yeah, a diplomatic disaster. Okay, so we got we got uh, we got to we got to look at all the angles. Well, yeah. you're absolutely right. We do have to look at all the angles. One of the angles I think needs to be explored, and I think we're just the people to do it. Yeah, is so NASA thinks they found seven planets, three of which they say could be habitable. Right. So they might have the the distance from a star, the the necessary whatnots. Your Goldilocks situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And that there's porridge. Right. Yes. And uh, bears. Just flowing porridge <laughs> yeah. and bears. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like a good planet, to be fair. Like a whole volcano just of porridge. It's yes. very unusual, but the bears yeah. love it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, absolutely. Um, the question, I think, to all of us is if, if there's places that there could be people, and even not people, maybe the mammoths have a certain higher function, right. who's evangelizing them? Mm-hmm. Oh, who's taking the message? Yeah, we need a Christian rocket. Yes, we do. Yes, we definitely Clearly. do to take it because we got to do the ministry. Yep. Well, we got to tell them about Jesus because here's the thing: they might not know. Sure. You know, and if they don't know, okay, then you got to get in there and tell them what it is and what's what. You're saying somebody's got to make him space famous. Yes, that's <laughs> yes. He is the God of Wonders beyond our galaxy. Uh-huh. That's uh, that's what you thought. Third day was just blowing smoke. Yeah, it got real. Yeah, it just got real. Okay, okay. Well, who who amongst not really us because no one would ever let us do this, but amongst Christianity, you know, who do we feel like would be the right representative to blast into space? Mm, Oh, no. Now, when you say blast into space, you mean blast them far, far. Far away from here. Yes, never they, we, we, we would not see him ever again. Yes. So yes. No, because of relativity. Yeah. So what you're pitching is some kind of situation where maybe we can set up a program where ostensibly 
the goal of it is to say we need the best and brightest y'all we need the people who are down who are serious yep. who are yep. hardcore and just go do this thing right but as a byproduct of that regardless of whether they're successful or not they'll be far away from us for the rest of time yes Forever. that's right now what you oh. got to do what you got to do first of all is you got to freeze them right absolutely sure. you can't you can't you know take maybe in carbonite right okay so you find yourself a deep freezer, step yes. one. He's no good to me, dead. That's yeah. right. And then you 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 find you you recruit your people, you stick them in a deep freeze. Yeah. Boom. Popsicle. Preacher sickle. Preacher sickle. Absolutely. Put them on a spaceship, pachow, and then yeah. uh, whatever happens, that's not sure. our department. That's, sure, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're in recruitment. The Lord. We're not engineering. That's hey, that's up to the elephant planet of what they want to do. Yeah, sure. they get there. You know, that's that's up to them. I think this is great. I think we're going to start naming names soon if we don't watch it. So we don't want to do that. <laughs> but to to finish this off, I think what we need to do here is it's, it's a very kind of aliens, Twilight Zoney, science fictiony thing of you know the way we thought we were just working. We got we thought we just got a well paid mining job, and it turns out they sent us to find this alien, and we got Shanghai and the whole deal. Right. So what is the recruitment ad? That we could put on your your Babylon B Facebook page and your Christianity days, and that would entice the certain kind of person who might do a decent job evangelizing the woolly mammoth plant. We really know, but would get shot into space, mm, and right. they would be there, and we would be here. Well, I think you've already hit it with making space famous. Making space famous is good. I think you know. Do you want an interstellar travel to really get in? To theological debate. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Are you a, a white male between the ages of 28 and 35 who went to a Christian college but doesn't have an, an MDiv or certainly doesn't have a doctorate in theology, but he just has some real thoughts about it? Yeah. You got uh, opinions. Well, yeah. if you're the only Christian on the elephant planet, you would immediately become the best-selling Christian author on yes. the whole planet. Yes. On the whole planet. Yeah. You would be the voice of your elephant generation. That's right. By default. That's yeah. right, dude. And think about how much time you'd have on that rocket to just think thoughts, man. Yeah. And, and I, we can't guarantee this, but when you get there, they might let you ride around on them. You never know. That's Possible. a bonus, right? Yeah. It ain't going to happen here. Yeah, I, I, you can't ride around on me. No. Yeah. That's that's I'm firm on that's that. That's right out. <laughs> okay. That's considered impolite in most of your nicer church environments. And maybe let's blast off anyone with junior after the name. And on that basis I declare an emergency off. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to explore why that is, but emergency off has been declared. We're bound yeah, by Robert Sorry about, about it. Sorry so. about it. Oh, Ew, that's it. Gosh. That's it. Just now, moving on here, y'all. Now, obviously, we're gonna need some R and D money for our junior rocket. Yes. Yeah, make him space famous, the space theological tour. Um, we we uh, until the government grants come in, of course, because that's going to be the big money. You get your sure. NASA's, your EU's, your, your, we're getting some Chinese money. This is all so I'm great. They're all going to want it. Yeah, but for now, we're going to have to resort to our uh, main fundraising <clears throat> arm, which is Bridgebox. Yes. So I'm going to be honest. It's going to take a lot of eight dollar donations at a time. To get up to International Space Station money. But we can do it. But we got it. I yep. think we, I think the product is good. I think the people are excited. Um, now, obviously, all that R&D money for make him, the Make Him Space Famous rocket will 
kind of have to come after we do what we do now with our Bridgebox money, which is we pay our contributors, we hire part-time staff people to work in the inner city who are products for our ministry, who are doing amazing work, partnering with residential programs and getting people to church and getting people fed. Um, that doesn't cost that much. Yeah. So whatever we have, the dad, then we have excess, and then that's rocket money. Yes. Right, right, right. So I th- <laughs> and I think if you sign up for Bridgebox uh, from here on in, or if you're a subscriber now, all Bridgebox subscribers will get someone they can nominate to be rocketed. Yes. If yes. you want that to be you, that's fine. If you want us to just snatch and grab somebody and they get rocket now, that's fine too. Yeah. Just you get a nomination, you get a, a, a VIP slot to use as you want. Yes. That we will put that as a bridge box bonus. We'll make up a little card and you can just hand it to somebody someday and say, no, that's, that's really interesting. The last 45 tweets that you've threaded about how everybody in Christianity doesn't really get it, but you do. I'd like to give you a card. Yeah. What do I do with this? Just hold on to it. Yeah, just have it. It's fine. Right. But yeah. all that for only $8 a month, and I think that that's a small price to pay for getting somebody rocketed into space, personally. Yeah. So, but on top of that, you get songs, sermons, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff based around a topic. March's topic is, what does failure say about me? And it's all that kind of very practical stuff, very encouraging. So you can sign up right now for only $8 a month, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. If you go to that website, even if you don't sign up, you can download some goodies and watch a fun video and all sorts of good stuff that'll give you a preview of what Bridgebox is all about. Okay, we're going to move on to our first question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, Recently, there was a sermon preached in church about being careful when choosing gospel songs to sing. If it's not biblically or doctrinally correct, then we shouldn't sing the songs. I have known for a while about some Christian songs not being really biblically correct. My question is, how do I know if it's not correct? Is there a way I should search the Bible to check out whether songs are grounded in the Word, or is it just about the way it feels? Bonus points to you guys if you can give me some recommendations for cool gospel groups and singers to listen to. And Lee, why don't you start us off here? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. For one thing... uh, my my normal experience in Christian culture is that people want you to be, you know, super careful about the quote-unquote bad stuff that you watch or listen to, but if it just has any kind of Christian label, then you just listen to that. You know, if it's on Christian radio or whatever, you just do that. So the idea of, you know, approaching, you know, kind of music and stuff like that with some discernment, that's that's really interesting. It's not it's not extremely normal, to be honest. Um I would say that with with uh with songs in particular, um that I would start with with uh what I've I've heard Jed refer to as the smell test, and he probably didn't get that from Glenn at all. No. But you know, just the uh, the the smell test, the idea of of just you know when you when you first when you first kind of hear the song, like is does is there is there something that seems off about it? it? Does is the message that this song is is giving you? Does it seem does it seem off or weird or hinky or something like that? And think about kind of the simple message of Jesus. We've said on this podcast a, a, a ton of times that the message of Jesus is dead simple. The, the message of the good news of the gospel could not be any more simple. And so the message of, of grace, of forgiveness, of Jesus giving his life, his blood for us so that we can have eternal life and a whole new, a whole new kind of fulfilling, you know, life and purpose and everything. Is that the message that you're hearing in these songs or is it something else? Is it, is it something else that maybe wants something from you or promises something that's really not part of that? The thing that, and, and I don't know kind of what, you know, what this pastor or this message was kind of driving at in this, 
you know, for these kind of off gospel songs. But for my money, the the things that the things that I'm always trying to um, use a lot of discernment about and and avoid in the music that I listen to would be just what I call Christian Mad Libs, which I don't know if you know what Mad Libs are, but Mad Libs were kind of a it was like a game that that you would uh, that. That, that kids played when, when I was a little kid, it would be like a, a deal where <clears throat> there would be a, a paragraph or a story with blanks all throughout the story. And I would just say to Glenn, uh, give me an adjective without telling him anything about what the story is. And he would supply an adjective. All right. Uh, a noun. And then, okay, give me another, uh, give me another noun. Okay. And then another adjective. And then at the end, I would go back and read, you know, this paragraph with these words that Glenn has supplied in there. And a lot of times with, with worship music in particular, uh, the stuff that's on the radio, for instance, feels to me like a Christian Mad Lib. Somebody just kind of threw together some inspirational sounding words, some things that vaguely sound like they come from Bible verses or some Bible verse. We haphazardly threw those into a pot and put those with three chords that go together. And now we have a hit Christian worship song. Um, with lots of glitzy production and stuff like that. And the thing that I'm always looking for is, does the song that you're listening to have anything actual to say? Does it have a message at all? Is this song about anything? Or is it just, uh, you know, a big jumble, a big soup of, uh, of, you know, inspirational whatever? Does it have something to say? And specifically, and this is where, this is the stuff that I listen to, this is the question I want it to answer. Do you have something to say that's going to help me? Specifically, that's going to help me make it through my week. Um, do you have something encouraging, something to, that helps me remember something true about Jesus? Is there something that that in this song that's going to help me make it through whatever I'm facing right now? I think there's a lot of folks like that that are writing songs like that. Um, for one thing, I would say if you haven't done it yet, um, you should subscribe to Bridgebox, man. The, the, the only goal behind the songs that we put on Bridgebox is... Uh, they are specifically targeted, designed, written by, and performed by uh, folks who are walking with Jesus, who most folks who are deeply involved in, in lots of ministries, and our only goal is to help people, uh, to help people make it through the stuff that they're facing. The other thing I would say is, I really am a huge fan of uh, the music of Sandra McCracken, of Sarah Groves, of a band called The Brilliance, um, a gal called Audrey Assad. Um, those are all readily available on like Spotify, um, you know, iTunes music, YouTube, you can find all of that music. And, um, and these are folks who are, who are trying to help people, um, trying to help people make it through the stuff that they're going through. And so, uh, those are some, those are just some suggestions, but you know, look and see, does this person that's singing this song, is this about anything? And are they trying to help me? And if they are, then dig deeper in. I think you're absolutely right. It's a very strong place to start. Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick up on that idea that I think Lee laid out very well for us. I think we can dig deeper into it of most, I honestly can't really think of a worship song that has hinky doctrine right. to it, on the surface anyway. I mean, right, right, right. right. Th- these are artistic works you could dig into, as I, I think mm-hmm. I answered this to our friend who wrote the email and said, you could, I'm sure there's some hardcore Calvinist who could say, well, you're never truly lost to the Lord and then found. That's not the way it works. Right. Therefore, Amazing Grace is heresy. We right, shouldn't right. sing it. We're probably, you, you can, you know, you can go nitpicking on all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. there, there is a, 
maybe a better question would be to ask is exactly what Lee's asking of, is this good? Is this useful? What's right, right. about it? If that's you right. will. That's right. And what do you look for? You, obviously, you have led worship. We have worship service now. Yeah. What are the things you look for in worship music? Well, I think, first and foremost, we're, we're dealing with a little bit of a logical breakdown in the way that Christians often look at the music they listen to. I hear a certain number of people say, I don't want to listen to secondary music because it has a way of kind of bumming me out and it doesn't feel, well, it just doesn't feel very Christian. I want to feel Christian all the time. So I want to surround myself with Christian stuff. I, wallpaper in my house and Christian wallpaper, listen to Christian music, watch Christian movies, or whatever, because all of it is... never have to think about any of this stuff again. Yeah, that's right. And everything is safe, and I don't have to worry about what sort of impact it's maybe having on me. Okay, there there are problems with that, but we we won't criticize that. But if you're saying what I consume definitely matters, that means you are looking critically at the Christian stuff that you're receiving. You're not saying if it if Jesus is mentioned in there, then it's all perfectly lovely. You're applying some sort of standard where you're saying, I want my Christian music to be as Christian as it can be, if that's if that's what you're looking to set out and do. And I don't see any Christians doing that. You know, I d do, I don't see that going on. I don't I don't I I, I very rarely people see people saying, I'm just looking for Christian music that really helps me in my walk and I'm sifting through a lot, a lot of this stuff that that I, to get myself to that place, I don't see a lot of that uh, going on out there. So I think there's a sense of all of this music is bad and all of this music is good, and so I'm just it, it, I, I'm using that so I don't have to dis- to apply any discernment. Right. That's right. Uh, the the second thing here is I was with a this is many many years ago now the, the Taco Bell the the, the restaurant chain. Had, oh, Jed's familiar. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You, it's a it's a Taco Bell restaurant. Yeah, chain. yeah. Let Let's not pretend. Yes. Years and years ago, they had a campaign, sort of ad campaign, that had a little Chihuahua dog in it. I'm aware. And the the dog would would <laughs> run around saying "Yo quiero Taco Bell," right? Well, if you went to your Christian bookstore, inevitably there was a T-shirt there that said "Yo quiero." Jesus, with yeah. a little Chihuahua there, uh, you know. I believe that would be Yokiro Jesus. That's right. Uh, well, I was with a buddy of mine who happened to be a Latino brother, and, and we're looking at the T-shirt, and I said, out of curiosity, exactly how does that strike you? Uh, and you know, I I met culturally, you know, because he's 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 a Mexican brother. He said, well, I don't really care in terms of the, the, the cultural element of that, but it's really trivializing this whole idea of Jesus and yeah. loving Jesus and whatever. It's just turning it into something cute. And I, I never heard anybody express it that way. I was a younger guy when he was saying this. But, you know, uh, since then, you start looking at a lot of Christian culture and saying, how much of this is just kind of trivializing in a yeah. way, just yeah. t- turning it into kitsch and and... I listen to to a certain amount of Christian music, and uh, just vapid and shallow is the main thing that comes through for me. Uh, and I I think that's a type of Christian music to not listen to if you're looking for it to have an impact. If you just want, if you just like Christian music and you want to hear something that's shallow and you don't care, that's fine. But I I think if 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 you're if you're looking to apply discernment, that I would start there. Also, a lot of Christian music is sort of unrealistic and inauthentic. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of "I will follow you no matter what, and no matter what," and you're <laughs> nope. <laughs> you're, no, 
that's not you're not keeping it real with that and that's nope. you're gonna feel kind of icky just trying to be feeling like you're singing something that's not true there's a lot of that stuff that just kind of adds up to there's not a lot of meaning in the song there's a lot of christian songs there i like the song for the song and i like the singing i like the melody i like the instruments and all that and there's jesus is mentioned in there but that's not really anything happening there i, I think it's okay to like that but it's it's not as if you can pretend that that has a, a spiritual value either. Uh, you know, we talk, and Jed, of course, produces songs and works with artists, and we talk a lot about how much of these artists focus on the ministry value of their songs, and holy cow. This is what I'm saying. This is not what that, that's not. It's not a common focus. That's right. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and here's, the, I'm going to land the plane with this. Uh, I'm an extremely biased person, but I'm also correct mm. when I say, listen to what Jed Brewer writes when Jed Brewer writes a song. He's he he's the one everybody else looks up to and respects in, in terms of if you want to look at ministry value within a song. Uh, as, as Lee was talking about, uh, and we're not saying that exclusively just to blow our own horn. It, it, when it's true, it's true, and that's the thing to look at. Uh, when you look at what we're doing musically within Bridgebox, what we put onto our podcast and all that, we're just sitting down and saying, what is it that people are struggling with? And then well, that's the song. That's It's pure, It's the same as writing a sermon. Yeah. It would be the same as, right. as, as trying to have a conversation with somebody and, and encourage them and nurture them in some sort of way. And we let the music then match the, the tone of where that song is going, and that's what's coming out. So it's, it's designed exclusively for having a ministry value to it. Uh, I think if you if you start listening with that particular ear, if that's what you're looking to get, you're going to get it there more so than anywhere else. I, I think you're absolutely right. It just so happens, uh, luck, by a stroke of luck, we happen to have Jed Brewer here. Ah! We can ask him about some of these things. Uh, but Jed, before I throw it to you, I will I will add to what Glenn and Lee have said there, which is absolutely right. Of On some level, you have to ask yourself, what do you want this to do and what do you want this to be as someone who's listening to this? Because if you are that place of I'm, you know, I'm just driving to work and I want something positive and Jesus, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Right. You probably don't want that to be the only media on this you would take, Mm -hmm. but there is a difference for this is just the music I like to chill out to by an artist. As we talk about the artists with our artists and about our artists we work with sometimes there's a difference between music that is meant to do ministry or meant to be worship music, and this is a song a Christian person yeah. has written about their life and experience, right. and they want to connect to it as a song, no different than if a, a, a psycho person had written it. This has to be up that their life and experience is Christian. So those are kind of different things. We're talking about this. This sounds like we're talking about this in a church context, in a, here's what I'm going to take in, does this have ministry value? As we mentioned here, you do write a lot of this stuff, and I, but I want to zero on this idea of is it correct and is it true? And I wonder if that's not exactly the right way to look at this. We pointed out the bar for biblical correctness is really pretty low. You'd have mm-hmm. to almost go out of your way into something clunky to make a song, a worship song, biblically incorrect. Right. You know, amazing grace, but you can lose it if you screw up, by the way. Right. You'd be like weird, add weird parentheticals. But when you, you set out to write a song, okay, this is going to help people. This is going to have a true trueness to it. What do you actually put in there? 
Well, let's talk about Taco Bell for a second. Oh, okay. Um, I, I really inspired you. You really did. When I was, if, uh, dear listener, if Jed could start every one of his answers that way, he would. <laughs> when I was, it, it's true. Here's why. When I was a teenager, I we're all you know we're looking for meaning in our life. We're looking for that thing that right. will satisfy us. Yeah. We're looking for that thing that's like that's home yeah, for us. Yeah, yeah. That's Taco Bell. I see. You were expecting me to say Jesus there. That's Taco Bell. What, what, um, Jed, what, did you find that home in church, Jed? I found that home in Taco Bell. Oh, I Jed, see. just out of curiosity, what part of the world did you live in when you found Taco Bell as the good restaurant? Miami, Florida. Very good. <laughs> it, Taco Bell is delicious. Only a place to get a taco in this town. Yeah. It's delicious in a way that is unnatural. I it, mean, literally. Is that yeah. Because it's not. In organic From nature, it's not food. And, and you, you, you think, <laughs> but it's delicious. You think, Jed? Oh, yeah. Surely that's a phase that you later grew out of. Oh no, right. I would no, eat my no, body no. weight in Taco Bell right now. <laughs> yeah. Fried chicken taco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and I'm not. I don't even feel bad about it. No, I, uh, I sense you, that. You know, you should. I know you I don't. should. But here's the thing: is um, it would be weird for me to go somewhere and sing a song about all I want is kale. All I think about is kale. Nobody wants kale. Because that's a lie. I don't feel that way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That would be that would be not true. You did deliver it in a soulful, convincing falsetto. Though. Thank you. Falsetto, Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Now, here's why I go through all that. A, because I just like talking about Taco Bell. Sure. And you really wanted to sing All I Want Is Kale. And I really want to sing <laughs> All I Want Is Kale. But here's the other reason. As absurd as all that is, people do that every single Sunday morning. Right. They That's show right. up and they sing things that not only aren't true, they're laughably untrue. Right. That's I right. mean, to the point of absurdity, yeah, untrue. Yeah. Uh, and it's not an issue of is it biblical or not. It's just emotionally false. Right. That's right? right. So there's a... a to, just to illustrate your point very quickly, in, in our church, uh, we sang an old hymn that old, <laughs> some people may recognize where a line in the old hymn was, even though they slay me, I'll follow you, Jesus. Yeah. You're like... Dude, you people are not even doing the easy stuff in here. If they're slaying you, I'm not feeling caught. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Well, there's there's a super famous worship song. It's been recorded by a thousand different uh, Christian artists. Chorus goes, begins, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Okay, here's here's the thing on that. Not true. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's biblical-ish. I mean, right, in, right, in right, a right. sense, Jesus is all you need. Not exactly, exactly. He designed yeah. you to have needs, including the need for food and shelter and community, but let's not Oxygen. get into all that. Oxygen. Yeah, but yeah. Yes, we all need Jesus. We get it. But the idea, you're all I want. You're all I want. Really? Oh, have yeah. you met me? Have you met you? <laughs> right. What is going on? I feel like I'm taking crazy If pills. Jesus is all you people want, why are you taking up a collection during the service? No doubt. Now, just if you don't like it, throw it right back. But if it's... You're all I want, and also Taco Bell. Are we closer? We're getting much closer. Okay, okay. If if the song was "I Should Want You," but it's close to lunchtime, and I'm distracted by the fact that I do want Taco Bell for sure, and that's getting in the way of me getting in touch with the desire that I ought to have for you, unwieldy, clunky, but much closer to the emotional truth. You got yourself a worship (laughs) song there. Here's my point. Christians will tell you, say, why shouldn't you listen to secular music? Say, because it's bad messages, and they'll right. get in your brain, and right, it'll, right, it'll right. mess with you. Right. That's mostly nonsense, but I, I see your point. I see your concern. Right. If you're singing songs that are lies, yeah. you are doing the thing you're afraid secular music is going to do to you. Right. Yeah, that's right. You are getting ideas into your head that are going to mess with you. Mm-hmm. It, let's, so let's look at this example for a second. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're, you're all I want. If you go around singing that and perjuring yourself— you are setting yourself up for a fall. 
every single time you want something in life, right or wrong, you're looking down on yourself or pretending that you don't want this thing that you actually do. The one thing you're not doing is the righteous thing, which is going directly to your Savior and saying, here's something that isn't you that I want. Right. What are we going to do about that? Right, 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 right. So that the Lord can say to us, oh, it's fine that you want it. I actually built you to be the kind of person that would want this thing, and I'd love, I have a way I'd like to work on supplying that and bring it into your life. But every time we sing this song, we're saying to myself, don't have that conversation with your Savior. Right. Just, right. just pretend, you because he's all you want. Right. At least right. he certainly should be. That's right. I, what, why would you do that to yourself? Here, here's, my, here's my closing point to land the plane on this. Don't sing songs that are emotionally false. Right. Don't sing songs that are biblically false, but there's not a huge danger of that. Right, right. Don't sing songs that are emotionally false. Don't go around lying to yourself. That, that can't yield good fruit. There's, there is no way for that to end well. And the good news is there are a ton of songs. I've written some of them myself, but there's certainly plenty of older hymns and whatnot that are incredibly honest, that are incredibly authentic, that are incredibly real, that you can sing with your full voice and your whole heart and hold nothing back. And that's the kind of worship God wants, is worship that can be done with your whole being and your whole voice and is true to you and to him at the same time, and you can leave it all on the mat. I'm going to cut in real quick here, real, real quick. I, Nothing I'm, happens real, real quick on this show. I'm going to say this. I, I'm going to talk good about Jed some more. <laughs> when Jed plays worship songs at the jailhouse, when he when he does uh, those things at our, our bridge service, he has guys and gals come up to him afterwards and say, I, can I get the printout that you were using, that right. you were singing from? I want to put that on my wall, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm going to do now. That's my spiritual... Uh, uh, that's my uh, devotional. Yeah. yeah. It, it, if you, and Jed has taught other people how to do that. Yeah. It, it, exactly. If you if you don't feel like you can do that with the stuff in, in the worship songs where you're at, or the music in your in your music collection, uh, that's what you're missing out on. That's what we're trying to encourage you you towards. Is there there are some lyrics out there that are really powerful, really help you with your walk, really keep you centered and focused. If you're looking to apply a criteria, that's a criteria to apply. I think you're absolutely right. I will I will step into a role I'm very uncomfortable with right now, and that is defending church worship leaders. Mm. It's really not my forte. I don't feel they Good deserve. Luck. I don't feel they deserve to be defended in a lot of ways. But um, w- w- what we're saying here is absolutely true, and that's what you should work yourself. It is it is not necessarily fair to expect your Sunday morning church worship time to give you all of this. Right. Mm. Um, that's uh, that's a a a very limited number of songs. Um, Mm -hmm. They have to be vetted by a number of people with different musical interests and, in some case, no musical taste at all. Um, There are decent reasons I have heard and have even campaigned for myself to some friends who do church stuff why there – yes, this song off Christian radio is not particularly ministerial, is not particularly potent lyrically, but there is a value to people coming in and hearing a song they Absolutely. like and know, and yeah. we can, it's easy to play and easy yeah. to sing. It's meant to be all that. That's all fun. There are going to be some songs in every church, um, that's not every church at South Bridge, that are what we would call kind of cotton candy. Yeah, that's It's right. not real deep, but it's got a cla- people can clap to it and mm-hmm. sing it and people like mm-hmm. it. And that's fine. That has a very real... Um, function within a worship service as far as getting people involved and engaged. Um, so, but on that means on your time, if you're, if you feel like you're eh, Sunday morning really isn't getting it, that guy's, as we talked about a little bit on a question about church ministry in the last episode, I doubt the worship leader's main goal is for these songs to have maximum spiritual effectiveness 
right. in a mirror and stereo way. Yeah. And that's not actually a bad thing. The point can be to make people feel welcome, to get people engaged. The, the point of worship functionally in a worship service is to get people prepared to hear the message. Correct. It's not to have necessarily maximum song for song impact on their own. Mm-hmm. So, but that means exactly. you go throughout your week, you look at some of these artists we, we've, uh, that Lee uh, suggested, and uh, if you write into us, we, we all have ones we like. And so, uh, it, Glenn, you may have to be prepared to go to the Ethiopian gospel artist because. That's the kind of music Glenn's likes, yep. is stuff you haven't heard of. That's true. But we all have people we like, and, but that's what we do. We get that kind of uh, in our in our earbuds kind of throughout the week, and that's a very good thing. And that allows you to be pickier, because anytime you're looking at a big group, some of this is going to get watered down, because we don't all have the exact same struggles. It's one of the things that allows Jed to write, and Lee as well, to write very targeted, very impactful songs as they're writing for a smaller audience. Yep. There's a few hundred people who go to Triple C. There's 50 people that show up at the bridge, all of whom Lee or Jed know and have talked to and written these songs around. If you're writing for you know a giant church network, it's just not going to be that, and that's fine. But you can apply what all these guys said to looking for your own stuff in your own life. We're now going to move on to our next question. It came in to Glenn's blog, mm. which is quite popular. Is it? You're sure. holding up a sign that says, say, quite popular, so I would assume so. <laughs> it says, uh, this actually folds in a lot of what we're talking about here at the end of this question. It says, I hope you can help me because I feel like I'm lying all the time. Mm, there's a joke about who this could be from, but I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm lying all the time. I'm always acting right. Well, that joke fell apart. I'm always acting right, but that's just it. It's an act. I do things in private that I shouldn't, and I definitely think all kinds of things I shouldn't. But around my Christian friends, I act all Christian. I'm just tired of living a lie. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to start us off. One of the interesting things, this didn't come into your blog, but this is a question and a thought process we deal with a lot with mm-hmm. the guys at Jailhouse and at the Bridge. Is, yes. Well, I most I do a lot of good things. I go to church. I'm here. But I think bad things, and I have done bad stuff. So it's kind of all a lie, and isn't God mad mm-hmm. at me about that? So That's how we, right. How do you break that down with the guys we work with? Well, I think part of the key here is to recognize that it it actually does make sense that there are certain people you can be completely honest with that you can trust with that total, you know. As you've often put it, putting your best foot forward at a job interview is not the same thing as lying. That's right. Yeah, that's an understood social contract there. Yeah, that's right. And church has some similarities there. No question about it. Uh, You know, so you do need that inner circle that you can be completely honest with. Uh, that and these are people that you trust that you can you know you trust they can react properly to things, uh, uh, but it's uh, with everyone else you're not going to be that level of open and honest and vulnerable, but you can be honest about the fact there is something there. In mm-hmm. other words, you can say, uh, "Hey, uh, I'm not perfect," and. You know, so-and-so over there knows what I'm talking about, because I was telling him the other day, uh, and we don't need to go into all the details, but rest assured, I'm dealing with my struggles and my problems. You can be as honest as you can be with this group of people. Right. And that, but that level of honesty can vary depending on who the group is. That's right. You know, uh, so I think it's, it's possible to be very honest about what... Uh, about the fact there is stuff going on, even if you're not describing what that stuff is. Uh, so that allows Unspoken you... prayer request. Uh, yeah, yep. it allows you to be honest about uh, having struggles without, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, having everybody know those details. And again, uh, specifically, you need an inner circle that you're being totally mm-hmm. honest with, and you need a pastor that you're being totally honest with, or a mentor, a spiritual leader, etc. Um, but what that will immediately lead to is you will no longer be in the running for the the most Christian person in the room. Yep. <laughs> and that's a big thing to give up. That's a lot to give up. Sure. A lot of people... For some of us, it was never really in the card, so it wasn't, but for other people, yeah, it's a lot for to give me, up. that was really didn't feel like much to give up. Here's the thing. Uh, pastors struggle with this more than anybody do, uh, any other people do, and that's, you know, I deal with this with them a lot. You know, it's a sense of, I don't want to stand up there and pretend that I'm the holiest guy in the room, because that really puts people off, but... If I stand up and say, I'm a sinner, then immediately they're going to say, oh, well, I don't want to hear anything from you. I thought you had this all figured out, so forget about it. So I feel like I need to have a certain amount of pretense just to help the people, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing, all that's dead wrong. The right thing to do, what real men of God do is they stand up and say, I have the same struggles that you have. I am having some of the same struggles that you are having. Uh, Now, it may be a different sized problem. It might be a different thing that I'm, you know, you may be jealous of one thing. I'm jealous of a different thing, but jealousy is jealousy. You know, you may be a lot jealous. I might be a little jealous. It doesn't matter. Jealousy is jealousy. It's doing the same thing to me that it's doing to you. So now let's talk about jealousy. You know, that's so. Uh, you know, forgetting about uh, those comparisons and having that that confessional way of being mm-hmm. suddenly opens up ministry possibilities like no other. And here's the thing: is you look at that kind of person and say, "That guy gets it. That guy knows what's going on." Here's the thing: I I, I, I preached a sermon uh, at our bridge service a little while back, and I I made the point, and it it, it got a really big reaction uh, that. I've been working on being a, 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 as, as good of a Christian as I can be for a long time and put a lot of intense work in it. And for, for a lot of that time, it's not really been going very well, but I put a lot of work into it. Mixed results at best. Yeah. No one has ever come up to me and said, you know what? You're turning into a real good Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody's even come close. Nobody said, you used to really suck as a Christian, but now you're, you're pretty good. Somewhere. You know, that's, nobody's ever said that to me, which you know, <laughs> I've been putting a lot of work into it. I've been making some progress. I mean, it may not be anything to get excited about, but it's something, you know, nobody's remarked on that. Uh, th- that's, that's not the uh, culture of Christianity, I suppose. Uh, but the thing is, you you need to get to a place where you recognize that sort of approval and 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 kudos are never coming. No one's mm-hmm. no one's ever going to say right. you're you're like the best Christian in here. That's never no. We don't talk yeah. like that, whether we should or not. Uh, but so what are we? What do we need to go for? Well, what we need to go for is uh, rather than trying for me to be the super Christian, the most Christian dude in the room or whatever. My goal needs to be: how can I lift everybody else up? So this is not about, uh, you know, um, how can I be, uh, 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 you know, how, how Christian can I be, but how Christian can I help everyone else to be? And that starts with me saying, I have the same struggles that you have, and being yeah. honest about that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And Joe, I'd love to get you to pick us, pick us up actually right there, because um, in the question, there is a lot of talk of uh, feeling and thought. Yep. 
not necessarily a lot of talk of action. And it's not really the problem. I'm not calling out that I do things in private, which rhyme with porn, that yep. I feel un- undo all the other things. Um, but we, one of the things we talk about here, and acting right is not really the same as doing right, looking at doing more good as opposed to thinking and feeling less bad. And I have a feeling mm. if we do the one, the other will take care of itself. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Here's the funny thing. And by the way, just so you know, you're listening to a podcast with four centers. Oh, yes. And how. That's what you've got. Maybe so, between yeah. us five centers. Yes. A little extra it's, from it's a couple five of centers folks. worth of sinning. No doubt. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Easily. Ten pounds of sin in a five-pound sack. Yeah, we're, we're, we're big, fat sinners. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for advice on how to be uh, super squeaky clean, I got you nothing move for on. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want every guess. other Christian show. Yeah. 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 The funny thing about... So, Matt mentioned it bears repeating. I don't know if this is your struggle, but it would be for 99 people out of 100 that wrote in this question, is you're looking at naughty stuff online. And, really? Uh, yeah, I know. It's hard mm. to imagine that could be true. And so, your whole life becomes a struggle about, am I looking at naughty stuff online? I shouldn't be, but am I getting better? Does anybody know? Do they suspect anything? You know, am I, I don't start every conversation with my friends about talking about the naughty stuff. I... Watch online, so I'm probably being a liar. Exactly right. Is it becomes a whole thing, and and in a weird way, your whole life becomes about porn, yeah. right? Which right, is right. the saddest thing that could possibly happen. Right. To Even you. people who work in porn have hobbies. Absolutely. Right. My well, my life's about porn. My hobby is guilt. So that's that's how I uh, that's how I fill it out. But here's the funny thing: is we get in this cycle of guilt, shame, and porn, and that cycle make sure we never actually do anything to help anyone else right it becomes a completely inward focused cycle in every way shape or form it's Mm -hmm. it's all about us 24 hours a day god wants to set you free from that Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah he does want to lead you to a place of looking at fewer naughty things online and that's that's a worthy goal but more than that he wants to set you free where your life isn't focused about you 24 Mm -hmm. hours a day Mm -hmm. you talk about acting right you talk about talking right but the thing i want to encourage you to do is to start doing Right. And I mean that in an outward-focused way. I don't mean less sin. Mm. I mean more righteousness. So, for example, feeding hungry people, taking care of sick people, visiting people who are in prison, watching out for people who are endangered. These are things Jesus commanded you to do. Um, It's all right there in Matthew 25. And here's the key thing. Two amazing things are going to happen if you'll do that. The first is none of them will care if you're looking at naughty stuff online. Right. If you go volunteer to Soup Kitchen, no one is going to say, before I get this clam chowder from you, can I check your browser history? Right. That's not going to happen because uh, nobody cares, right. uh, which is a marvelously freeing thing. But the second thing is pretty soon you discover you don't care. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. In a way that wouldn't make sense if I described it to you today. Yeah, if, this right. makes me feel good in a way that all this other never could. Exactly right. Exactly right. And the funny thing is you may find your desire to look at naughty things going down yeah. off Bingo. of that. Yep. It doesn't feel like they're related. It doesn't feel like there should be any linkage there, but it turns out there kind of is. Yeah. But the thing I want you to know is any system that has the focus on you... And your sin, 24 hours a day, not only is it not working, it's actually anti-Christian. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the opposite of what God wants for you. Uh, stop worrying about talking right. Stop worrying about acting right. Start doing right. Mm-hmm. Go feed some hungry people. Go care for some sick people. Read that list in Matthew 25. Start doing those things and see if that doesn't change both your outlook, but ultimately, as time goes on, your actions as well. That's absolutely right. I think it's a fantastic place to start on that. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close this out by kind of going back to something Glenn was talking about there for a minute, a mm-hmm. minute ago, and Jed has touched on as well, which is, hi, welcome to church. Everyone's lying. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, right. as we can we can have Lee speak to this because this is true of us up here too. But particularly with Lee, nobody knows that more than the pastor. Yeah. Because yeah. the pastor is the one uh, that everyone's being honest to during the week. And then they come out on Sunday with the smiling and the hugging and the hand-holding and all the other things that we know about the other stuff during the week. But, Lee, what I'd love to get you to break down is I don't know that we should totally begrudge people that. In the sense of, as these guys are talking about, of if you're working on it, if you got somebody you're talking to, you don't actually have to be talking to everybody. Right. So what's that line between, yeah, everybody's doing this a little bit. Where does it get destructive versus where is it, you know, kind of... And somewhat social, uh, socially necessary nicety. Well, I think that that's a really good way to put it. Really good way to put the question. One thing that's interesting about being a pastor is um, you're exactly right. What what we have found out is that everyone in church is lying about how they're doing. Everyone in church is lying about how awesomely their life is going. And um, the the problem is that people are so afraid to talk to other people about that. They don't tell the pastors until the plane has utterly crashed into the mountain. Yep. You know, uh, 15 steps ago, we could have really put some strategies and some thoughts in place that could have stopped this from utterly destroying your entire mm-hmm. life. Um, now, we're just completely banking on the grace of God at this stage, and we're it's just a, you know, it's round-the-clock prayer and... We're just, it's a Hail Mary at this point. But um, yeah, th- that's one thing that I would say is that if people did have a whole lot more actual community, like we've heard talked about in in this in the last episode, if we had some of that real community, the, the kind of stuff that Glenn was talking about at the beginning of his answer where, you know, I've got a small circle of, of friends with whom I am completely and totally honest. They pray for me. They know how what to ask me during the week when they see me or text me or whatever. And I am completely vulnerable with those folks. If we had a whole lot more of that going on, then the pastors wouldn't be getting um, the complete and total dumpster fires that we do get when people finally decide, well, I have to be honest now because my life is utterly falling apart. The, The thing that I would say on that is Glenn's exactly right about it. That's the way that thing needs to look so that we can be, we can be honest about the fact that, you know, I am a, I'm a sinner in the process of becoming the person God wants me to be. I'm working hard on this. It may not look like much. It may be messy, but I'm, I'm getting there. And then I've got my core group of people that I talk to. Here's the problem with that. I mean, that's exactly right. That's where this needs to go. The problem with that is that almost no one is doing that. Now, um, right. The thing, the thing on that is, how do I have that if no one is doing it? I right. mean, how, how do I apply for that group? Who, who are the people in my <laughs> circle that are that are ready to do that? This is an actual conversation I had with uh, with a, with a college kid within the past week. I said, "Look, the stuff you're going through right now, you are unbelievable. What you're facing and what you're what you're doing, it's." Crazy. I mean, what God is asking you to do and what you're doing in the midst of it is awesome and it's amazing. And you also happen to have this group of friends that you've been close to and you you guys have been walking with the Lord together for, for several years. Now, what I want to know is why aren't you tapping into those guys as a resource for prayer? And he's just like, I don't know. And I'm like, dude, this, we this is changing immediately. That's what we're going to do now. We're going to talk to these guys, be completely open about it, and we're going to get these guys praying in there and the whole thing. And 
And here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to test the waters with these guys. Okay? We're going to open up this thing a little bit. Don't give them the deepest, darkest thing. Let's let's test the waters a little bit, see how the guys react to it. My guess is they're going to react awesomely. And then, guess what? You are going to be the guy that teaches them how to do the vulnerability thing. Right. Okay? So, Glenn's exactly right. We need to have the small group of people with the thing. But you, you may have to kickstart the whole yeah. deal. Yes. So, yeah. you kickstart it not with unloading everything about your life, but you meet with one person that you feel like you can trust, and oddly enough, you teach them how to do it by giving them a little something to pray for you about, to, yep. to show you some understanding about, and that kind of stuff. And, and You build the group, the community that you need by demonstrating the power of vulnerability, the power of vulnerability to, to erase shame, the power of vulnerability to bring you closer together with, a, with a, a group of fellowship and stuff like that. When you demonstrate the power of that thing and, and, and the friendship flourishes and the community flourishes and all of a sudden we're doing this Christian thing on a whole different level. I mean, everybody's got the goosebumps about this. Then you're going to teach other people how to do it. It's going to be a really cool deal. Absolutely right. I think that is exactly the place we land on this, that vulnerability is a good thing. It is honesty is a good thing. It's a powerful thing. It's a useful thing. It's not something we're going to jump into right away, and nor is it a—it's not a fire hose. Mm -hmm. It's not something you want to—it is not good in every conceivable situation to be as honest as possible. That yeah, is, guess where I was looking at on the internet, Grandma. It's, yeah, you know, Grandma doesn't want to know. Here's the thing, Grandma doesn't want to know. You know, she really You're not making Grandma's life any better. No, keep that. Just you know, don't do that. Time and place. I That's think right. is what we'd be saying about that. And we will move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, "What is justice as it's discussed in the Bible? Does it mean working towards everyone having equality? Jesus says poor people will always be with us." I get that God takes justice very seriously. I'm just not sure exactly what it means. Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, I appreciate you writing in. So on the one hand, this is a good question. I I know the guys will will give you a good reason to answer to it. On the other hand... Unless... I have a little bit of a suspicion about this question, and particularly about whoever planted it in your brain, because it's the exact sound of a person looking for a loophole. <laughs> yes. It's funny how that works. We're familiar with that uh, that uh, particular uh, yes. uh, tactic. Now a the dramatic, ring of chicanery. Now a dramatic reenactment. Dad talking to his nine-year-old son, Timmy. Timmy, did you straighten your room like I asked you to do? Do any of us straighten anything? A few things. First of all, the inexorable march of time and the nature of a universe that's ever devolving to disorder means nothing's ever fundamentally straightened. Have you ever heard of entropy, Dad? Have you thought about entropy? Second, it's not my room. I don't don't have ownership rights to this room. Sure, I may stay there from time to time. It's your room far more than it's mine. I might ask you the question, did you straighten (laughs) your room? It isn't my room. Okay. If your question sounds like the response of a precocious nine-year-old trying to get off the hook for not doing his chores, uh, it's because someone in this equation is trying to get away with something. I'm not saying that's you necessarily, but I'm saying it sounds to me like you've been talking to someone who is trying to get away with something, and that's where this question is coming from. Here's why. You know what justice is. Yeah. 
You, mm-hmm. you you don't need me to tell you. Yeah. Uh, now again, we'll give you a, a good answer on that, but mm-hmm. you know what justice is. Yeah. Everybody knows what justice is. Yep. Um, you're right. Jesus did say you'll always have the poor with you. He didn't say that as a way of canceling caring about the poor. That's right. Um, we may note we referenced it in the last question. Matthew 25 is really super clear on yeah. how Jesus feels about poor people. It, Matthew 25. It uh. It doesn't end soft. It's, no. It's the strongest language in the Bible. It's a crescendo. Yeah. 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 The question is not, do we know what justice is? Because, again, you know what justice is. No one's actually confused about this. Small children know what justice is. Yeah. Um, there, there's no one more concerned with fairness than a four-year-old child. Right. If you're concerned with fairness, with fairness you get justice. The question is, are you going to do anything about it? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's before you. I think you may be struggling with a bit of a guilty conscience. Because if justice... You feel like you ought to do something about it, and if justice can't really be defined, and plus it's not really worth pursuing anyway because we'll always have the poor with us, well, that gets you off the hook. Mm-hmm. It's a happy little miracle, so you don't have to do anything. Guilty conscience solved. But if you kind of internally know exactly what justice is because you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart telling you mm-hmm. what it is, and you have the almighty and um, inerrant word of God telling you to pursue it, um, and you know you could do something about it, Well, that's a precarious place to be. And I think part of the reason it's a precarious place to be is I think that you sense that if you start caring about justice in the way that God does, it's going to cost you relationships in your life. People are not going to look at you the same way. Uh, Maybe family members are not going to look at you the same way. And you're right. They're not going to. Right. You're you're correct to be afraid of that because it's it's going to cause rifts in your life. You're, you're, You're if you sense that. You're right. That That's true. But here's the other side of it. You'll never regret it. You'll never mm-hmm. look back. Right. If you get started in living out God's heart for justice, justice for the poor, justice for the oppressed, justice for the disenfranchised and disadvantaged, if you start living that out, you will have a life and a fulfillment and an excitement like you can't possibly imagine. Amen. You'll never regret it for a moment. You will never wish you had pretended you didn't know what justice was as some sort of incredibly ill-advised cop-out. Right, right. You'll be glad that you took that plunge. We want to urge you, take that plunge. Follow that leading in your heart. Follow that pull that the Holy Spirit's given you to be a part of God's uh, heart for justice. Take that plunge. That's absolutely right. I think it's a fantastic place to start. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick up for us. Um, so Jed is absolutely right about a couple of things I think are uh, good to kind of expand on. One is definitely that Matthew 25 is very serious. It is right. also very specific. Um, also, I think that ties into Jesus' statement, the poor will always be with us, in the sense of one of the things I think that freezes people in thing, caring about justice in this way is but there's not going to be justice. You know, that we, we live in an unjust world. We live in an unjust society that is kind of, there are systems in place and all that, um, that as Jed points out, that is not an admonishment to not do anything. That is in fact a, uh, a kind of encouragement to in that case, do something. Yeah. Any justice yeah. is an increase in the amount of justice. So right. when we think about this, I think we, justice can seem like one of the things I think may bring down to people, a big old hairy term, but as Jed points out, it is an actionable thing for an individual yes. to do. The Bible is clear about that. So what do we what do we tell people on that tip? This is really interesting because the one thing that just occurred to me is that this the my answer to this actually could take us back to the very first question. We're talking about 
the Christian worship music and and, uh, and Christian music in general and stuff. And and Jed was talking about this idea that that um, which is super true that so much of our so much of the canon of Christian worship music is filled with you know em, you know emotional untruths and everything and and just you know really really inflated language about you know loving Jesus and we do we we do love Jesus but you know there. Sometimes it's like this is the only thing that we're saying, and we're saying it. You know that you're the only thing I want. You're the only thing I need. Like Jeb was quoting the song. There's a really interesting place in the book of James where James says that Jesus has designated the poor to be the recipients of our love for Him. That is a really fascinating thing mm-hmm. because we, you know when we when, if we want to demonstrate our love for Jesus, a lot of people think. Well, if I'm going to demonstrate my love for Jesus, what that means is I need to be in a, I need to be in a dim, you know, a, a, a dark room with with cool decorations while a song has been going for 17 minutes where I repeat the the fervency of my love for Jesus. Yep, that's out it. loud. That's what that's what it would mean to express my love for Jesus. When the Book of James says that actually um, the poor are here in the world as the recipients of the love of Jesus that the believers in Jesus have. Mm-hmm. This is what it means to Jesus. Jesus said, you want to demonstrate that you love me? That's, you have the poor. They will receive the love that you have for me. Now go and show me. Um, that's a really cool thing. I mean, that's a, it's an opportunity to say, like, if I want to maximize my worship of Jesus, this is how we do it. Um, you know, the, 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 the cup of cold water thing, Jesus said, you give a cup of cold water to, to, uh, to one of these little ones, you will not fail to receive your reward. As Jed said, you will not regret it. The, the reward is unbelievably immeasurably great. Um, when, when we turn our hearts towards the people that, the people that are disenfranchised, the people that are overlooked, the people that are outcast, the people that Jesus showed love to, the people that he brought in, the people that he accepted and changed, and the people that he changed the world with. When we when when we give our hearts to them, this is what, it's just unbelievably rewarding. As Jed's saying, Jesus said, you won't fail to receive your reward. This is the thing, is that f- feeding the hungry, um, visiting the prisoners, um, caring for the outcast, caring for the undocumented, the, the, the very things that the Bible's talking about, we all know that this is what he means. <laughs> I mean, as Matt's saying, Jesus, until Jesus comes back, there is going to be injustice. There is going to be poverty. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to right every wrong. He's going to remove every tear from every eye. And until then, this is how we get to show our love for Jesus. This is how we worship. This is, they are the recipients of our love for him. And that's an amazing thing that he's left us a super tangible way to worship and to love him. You love Jesus? Cool. Show it. You got plenty of opportunities. Amen. That's absolutely Amen. right. I want Glenn. I'd love to get you to close out on the idea of that tangibility because yeah. I think one of the things that may trip people up with this again, this idea of justice seeming very big, is that you would do something, you would do exactly what Lee and Jed have lined out here, and at the end of the day, your only thought would be about how immense this problem still is, mm-hmm. and it would feel it, it would feel like you did nothing, and it would feel uh, it would be a huge bummer and it's sadness. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you've been doing this for. 
over 25 years and we, we have the bridge now. So every Tuesday we go to the bridge, we serve a meal to people who are hungry. Mm-hmm. We are, there are people who are there because you and our friend Pete have visited them when they were prisoners. You know, we, we mm-hmm. give people blankets, you know, we do the whole deal, pretty much everything that happened in mentioned in Matthew 25. Right. Most weeks, ho- gladly except clothing the naked. Right. Um, it gets, happens at the bridge every week. And, but it's, it's like a hundred people and mm-hmm. Chicago still, we still release them into a very violent place. And, mm-hmm. Um, the, the economy still is not uh, slanted towards people of color and all this, but I, I never get the sense that we leave thinking, well, that didn't do any good. Yeah, no. Yeah. It well, First of all, it's not my job to fix the world. Uh, very focused on that. Um, God, God can handle his business on that. Also, I'm, I'm not trying to fix everybody. I'm just trying to fix a person that's in front of me. Right. And th- that person who's in front of me is going to pass that on to the next person. So it spreads in that way. Uh, whatever happens with that is kind of not up to me. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think of it that way. I'm just, I, and I just, I, I do it partly because I actually just enjoy it. So it just makes me happy. So there, you know, all that works for me. Uh, I agree with what Lee is saying, you know, uh, th- about this being a tangible thing, you know, that the, 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 the it, it, Jesus says, you know, when you uh, uh, take communion, it, to, it's as if you're, consuming his body and his blood. The only other time he talks about the connection that we can have with him is Matthew 25, when he says, when you do it for the least of these, you're doing it for me. Here's the thing, is if you look at the, the biblical language of the word justice, it talks about taking the, the thing that God has said is right, a, a, a judgment, and living it out, mm. making it manifest in the world. And uh, this is the thing that, to take for example... Uh, in the if you're listening to this and you're in the United States, about uh one out of every nine white people is a drug user. About one out of every uh ten African Americans is a drug user. However, so it's about the same. Uh, however, if you are an African American person in the United States, you are nine times more likely to be incarcerated for drug use. Mm-hmm. That is not justice. There's no justice anywhere in that. And there is uh, non-justice-related reasons why that is the case. And if you have an impulse within you as you hear that to say, yeah, but you have left justice behind, and as as Jed is saying, you know what justice is in that situation, and you're just choosing to ignore that. And let's forget, and you need to be honest with yourself about that. Uh, You know, this is... I've got my personal convictions, my political convictions, my my prejudices, my views on the world, and I'm not letting God touch all of them. So that's how that goes, you know. And and I'm honest about my shortcomings in the areas I don't let God fully transform me. So you can do that with with whatever is going on with you, uh, but recognize that what the Bible is saying over and over again is about uh, making sure that the people with the power don't oppress the people who have little or no power. That's very clear all throughout Scripture. I mean, it's a... comes up a lot. comes up a lot, a lot. You can't miss it. But now here's the part that you need to know about that, particularly in a modern media landscape. Here's how all oppressors, roughly speaking, over the course of history have oppressed. Those oppressors have said, we're being oppressed. We're the real victims here. We're the ones. Sure, we have all the power... And all the things and the bullets and the thing, 
but we're under attack, y'all. We have to go get these people who are poor and small and don't have anything. And we have to attack them before they <laughs> attack us because we're under attack, y'all. We're being oppressed. That should sound familiar if you're playing along at home. <laughs> exactly. And this is, you know, this is World War II. This is, I mean, you can go all the way back into ancient The Roman history. Empire uh, per- persecuting Christians. Exactly right. That's exactly These horrible Christians, right. y'all, they're the problem. Well, yeah, if you if you look at, 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 at Nero and, you know, they, you know, here's Rome, it's burning. Who are we blaming? Well, it's these Christians. Let's go and find, round them up and, you know, scapegoating and, and, and using that uh, 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 saying this, these group of people who don't really belong here that are part of this religion are the ones that are causing all the problems. Let's just blame everything on them and then round them up. And that's exactly what happened with Nero and Christians, you know. Right. Just Nero and Christians. Yeah. That's, no other just, examples. Yeah, you can't think of Christians have always been on the receiving end of this particular brand of injustice. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this is... Uh, you know, again, we know what it is, but we get to this place where we say, yeah, but something else. And again, I'm not trying to attack that. I'm just trying to get you to be conscious of if you find yourself, yeah, butting a moment where you know that justice is and God himself is requiring you to go another way, you need to be conscious of that. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He said, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't know how to live up to that. I struggle to live up to that. I don't know what that looks like in terms of geopolitics or personal politics or personal interactions or whatever. And and I struggle with that. I think other people can be honest about their struggles with that. But it's it's about recognizing that God is calling us to a place of justice, and it's important for us to figure out how to wrestle with that and live up to that. The the one thing I will tack on to the, the very, very good stuff these guys have said is it goes exactly to what uh, where Jed started us off and ties on what Glenn was saying there is one of the things about deciding that you were going to try to deal with justice and injustice in whatever small way the Lord is calling you to deal with that in your life is you have to have a certain amount of confidence. Hopefully this comes from studying the word, listening in prayer of deciding for yourself what is justice and what is injustice. Yeah. Because as Glenn points out, be everybody, there will be a lot of people crying injustice. Right. And I, I can tell you, uh, from having been up here for a little over five years and seeing, really for the first time in my life, for ex- in extensive ways, people who are actually victims of injustice, like yeah. systemic, centuries-long, crushing, no-hold-up-inside injustice, they right. talk about being victims of injustice way less than people I know who had big houses, <laughs> yeah, yeah, lived yeah. in nice suburbs, Absolutely. and went to public schools that were fully paid for. Yeah, Those yeah. people really talked about how it wasn't fair. They're right. the real victims here, y'all. That's yeah. the thing. You have to be able to make those calls for yourself. Yeah. So on some level, maybe that starts out with, you know, you got to find your way for that, and that's fine. We can look to these things in Matthew 25. We can look to statistics, much like the one uh, Glenn quoted us, so when Eventually, but eventually you're going to have to get to the point where someone says, I think the real racism is accusing me of being racist for that racist thing I said. <laughs> and you got to say, no, racism is racism. Right. Yep, this right. is you not liking getting called out. And we don't have to be super mean about that. And a lot of muting on Facebook and Twitter will save you a lot of effort on a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But eventually, I think maybe a little bit what scares people about this is God is – there will come a day when God will, part of the clouds, come down and inform people exactly what actions were just and which weren't. Again, as we pointed out, based on uh, some very significant portions of Scripture, that's going to be a bad day for some folks. Because yeah. they're going to be real sure they were the ones getting injustice. Turns out they were the ones doing the injustice. But right. that's up to them, and that's not us. Until then, 
a lot of things are going to come down to judgment call and you're going to have to be the one to not, not necessarily say out loud to someone, but say, well, why are you going down to the, the Muslim community center? And we said this, like, uh, cause they're the ones experiencing the injustice. Right. So right. I have to make my call to where I'm going to go to why to do that. Mm-hmm. And you got that in you. That's, and a lot of these are easy calls and it'll grow in itself, but it's, it is worth doing. It is a good thing. Only because the Bible says it is, but it's also a very rewarding thing, as we can all tell you. All right. Thanks for listening. Just remember, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We talked about worship music. We talked about uh, Jed Brewer's worship music. This is a worship song that exemplifies a lot of what we're talking about. It is nice. It is simple. You will hear, hear people singing it very enthusiastically. It is also based in very much biblical truth. It's called You Have Better. It's also... yes does not repeat the chorus seven times. <laughs> I didn't know. Maybe you didn't even know worship songs could do that. Yeah. It does. It's even short. But we'll take you that out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast, blasting off and making Jesus space famous on Planet Elephant. <laughs> you have better for me than I have for myself. You were sad in heaven when we deserve hell. You offer me And I don't know how to be happy And I don't know how to live And I tried what made sense to me But it was all just counterfeit You have better for me than I have for myself You were sad enough heaven when we deserved hell that are fleeting and I want things that won't last but you offer forever a future instead of a past you have better for me than I have for myself you were sad enough heaven when we deserve hell you offer me things that that would kill me and